creating a balance so that it's not you're not just always trying to capture attention, 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 and then never keep it. If you look at all the best performing blog posts, they're often like like seven minutes long is medium's ideal length of a post. You know, there's this idea of like delivering content to people who are interested and goal focused to learn more about that. Happy Tuesday and welcome back to Poolside Podcast. This is episode 136 and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. I am excited to share this conversation with you today. It was originally an Instagram live that I did with Mark Binkley, um, but I have obviously turned it into a podcast so that more people can listen to it. Um, I do want to give you the heads up that because it was an Instagram live, it has a little bit of a conversation that goes everywhere and also um there was a little bit of distraction with the comments and everything coming up from people watching on the instagram live so just so you know that if we pause or for reading comments it's because it's on the instagram live and this wasn't like a podcast recording so just so you know the conversation is still good but i just wanted to give the heads up and the guest like i said is mark binkley he is the vice president of digital marketing and strategy at anstice which is a canadian-based communications firm that uses human science to solve business problems and create meaningful tools for change i also work for them um as a disclaimer i think what they do is great and it's been great to work with mark i think he is a genius in what he does in digital marketing and so i was super excited to have him on here i just contract for them as a copywriter and social media manager but it's been great to work with an agency that focuses so much on digital transformation and research when doing marketing and communications. It's been great learning for me. Um, and in this episode, Mark talks about why pivoting quickly is a defining factor for businesses in determining their success throughout the pandemic and as well continuing to move through it since we are still moving through it. It's important to understand your customers and how they're interacting and how they're engaging with your brand. And so we talk about what that looks like for brands today and what to do with that information. We talk about emerging trends, including long, long form content, which includes blogs, podcasts, hi, shout out to podcasts and longer video, etc. Mark shares his opinion about budget mix as well. As we evolve our marketing strategies and look out to the rest of 2021, how should a brand be dividing their budget? There's so many options nowadays and maybe a lack of budget. And so Mark recommends looking at your goals quarterly or yearly and working backwards with the budget you're working with when deciding what what is the right media mix for your business and for your budget. So we get into, like I said, a lot of different areas in this conversation, but it's all related to digital marketing and super insightful. So let's jump into it. Here is Mark. Hello. Hi. You figured it out. Perfect. Go figure. No, I just had to get password <laughs> all sorted out. No worries. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. Cool. Okay. I know you have only 30 minutes, so we'll just jump into it. That works for yeah, you. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Do you want to start with uh, introducing yourself and just telling us about who you are, what you do? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at all these people logging in. Hi, dear. 
so I'm Mark uh, Binkley. I'm the VP of Marketing and Digital Strategy at Anstice, uh, and I help clients figure out how to grow, build strategies that's going to drive more uh, revenue in for the businesses, improve customer experiences. And hi, Danielle. Hola, Leo. Um, yeah, and so we just work with clients on um, in both B2B and B2C, um, just, again, trying to help them grow their business and improve customer experiences. Cool. And how long have you been at MC for? I'm coming up to three years. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and we've been working together, I think, for almost a year now. I think I started with Anstis a year ago. So Crazy, I know. Yeah. That's yeah. It. yeah. Like all virtual. I actually don't yeah. think, have we met in person? I, maybe we have met in person once, like way once. back. Yeah, yeah, like last summer. That's so weird. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into what we're going to talk about today. So digital marketing in general. And obviously, it's been a crazy year. Last year, we're still in it. So how can brands quickly pivot to meet the needs of their consumers? I think everyone's learning. It's been a year of learning for everybody, but we're still needing to pivot since the world is different than we thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, and this is something that everybody says, is, you know, understand your customers. I think it's, it's, it's probably good advice for any time. Uh, it doesn't really matter whether it's COVID times or not. I, I think because of COVID, uh, things have changed faster than what they normally would have. So understanding your customers just means so much more now because of the variability and how people behave uh, in comparison to, say, a year ago. Um, and, and I think now more than ever, like, there's just a constant evolution of the way that people are interacting and, um, and connecting with one another and investigating uh, you know, learning about products and services and investigating products and services and then actually using products and services. So, um, you know, it's it's probably changing a lot faster. It's almost at the speed of digital rather than the speed of like physical. Um, so a lot of those things now are able to adjust quickly. And, um, and so I think it's really important for companies, A, just to keep in touch with their own customers. And that could be through any number of things like, Sales teams are amazing uh, resources, so that's a practical one. Um, surveys is really practical. Things like on your website, um, yeah, there's Google Analytics, but there's also platforms like Hotjar that look at trick, uh, sorry, trick, <laughs> click uh, paths, and you know you can put up surveys on your site. You can go in market with surveys, uh, which is a service that we offered. Um, to, to find statistically significant findings like Google consumer surveys is a super incredible tool for a relatively cheap price for some people. Um, you know, all those things matter. And I think um, overall, like just understanding that stuff is really important. Then looking at co uh, competitors and seeing what they're doing and how they're adjusting and how they're changing. Um, yeah. I, I don't think any of this is really new. I think it's just the speed at which things are changing that, that makes a big difference. Totally. When I think people that maybe that has been the issue is getting it to change quickly. If you're like a big company and there's so many steps in the process to get things to go through and to move or having to move everything online. Like I know a lot of people um, had a lot of in-person services or that's how they talk to their customers and now they're being forced to do it digitally, which yeah. I, I think has been a learning curve and a struggle for a lot of the businesses. For sure. 
Yeah, and I, I think because most times pivot. I'm just I'm getting distracted by all these people. I just want to say hi to everybody who's watching. So uh, she spilled her coffee. It's a great name. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of that stuff is. Uh, yeah, just the speed at which things are changing is so different. Um, and I mean, we all said that before, but I think now more than ever, it'll be interesting that coming out of this, uh, you know, as like the, um, the vaccines roll out um, and what we've been used to, like as an example, QR codes, like they've been around forever. Nobody ever used them. And then all of a sudden, everybody uses them now. It's the only way you ever do anything. So, like, how does the QR code now live and how can we incorporate that into customer experiences in the new sort of reality when people will be back um, in, a, in a more physical space? I think it'll be interesting seeing how uh, the f physical world and the digital world um, morphs into something new. And I think there's lots of opportunity for innovation for companies. Totally. I was actually just talking to one of my restaurant clients yesterday about that, about the QR codes, because we were talking about how we like menus in a restaurant, like it's more of the experience. But with a QR code for them, they can update the menu basically in real time if they have something yeah. new come out and so they don't have to worry about printing like hundreds of new menus. They can just do it and then people totally. can see it right away. Totally. Yeah. And, yeah. and whenever anything runs out, you don't even need to explain to anybody anymore that like if you did it in real time, you could just like take it off the menu in real time. Exactly. So, yeah, it's definitely, I think, finding the balance between that technology, but also still having the experience that we had before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how does content marketing play into that? I know, especially at like Anstice, we do a lot of content campaigns and coming up with strategies based on the data, based on our consumers. So how how does that play into it as we move into this year? Yeah, I um, so I, I, I've been, as you know, I've, I've asked you for your input and stuff on some of the presentations I've been building. One of the presentations I've built recently is around long form content. And I think uh, this will be an example of it by the time we're done. Um, I mean, this is already a couple minutes long, way longer than the two, three second quick hits that you've got. And there's a purpose and a reason for those kinds of things. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to, how do you yeah, sell something? Someone needs to see and touch. How do you sell something someone needs to see and touch? Oh, are you able to provide some? I'm not sure if I'm able to. Oh, I came to the back. Okay, let me answer this question. I'll come back to that. <laughs> she spilled her coffee. Um, so, yeah, long form content is really, um, I think, is a really underutilized tool. Uh, so, if you think about content marketing, there's there's all kinds of ways to think about it. Uh, content marketing could could mean, you know, downloadable. Uh, pieces of information like packets of information whether it's a pdf or some kind of um, infographic or whatever the case may be there's there's video format there's podcast there's all kinds of those things i think there's a balance between making quick snappy things so like a six second ad bumper there's value in that but it's not the only thing that people will find valuable and then there's also value in the long form content. And so creating a balance so it's not, you're not just always trying to capture attention, 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 and then never keep it. If you look at all the best performing blog posts, they're often like, like seven minutes long is medium's ideal length of a post. Um, most 
top performing blog posts are like two, 3,000 words. Um, at least the ones that are on the first page. So, you know, there's this idea of like delivering content to people who are interested and goal focused to learn more about that. Um, so I think there's a balance between both those things. Does that kind of answer what you're asking? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting, the long form content, even just like Instagram specifically, like one of the algorithm things that has come out that longer captions are working better because people are spending more time actually reading it. So it's showing that the content is valuable. So that's even yeah. shifting just on social media as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Google's favoring like long form content in their algorithms because they want to provide people with authoritative information rather than just something that's gamified to be super quick hits. So um, same thing is true for video. Like we, we did a video, um, long form content video for one of our clients. It was 11 minutes and the average watch time after uh, boosting it for a quarter million views was four, just over four minutes. Like a long time for people to spend watching it, but they were watching it. Like, you know, those people that did watch, some of them, even 9% of the audience of, that we sent it to watched for the whole thing. So, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting area for brands, I think, to explore because getting into the space of like branded content, I think offers a lot of opportunity for people as well. And you don't have to be super short. Definitely. And I think the question that's now not on there anymore, but was about if you have like a physical product that you want someone to experience in real life, what kind of strategy that looks like in terms of digital or creating the experience in the world that we're living in right now? Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I, I'm able to kind of like uh, move. Up. Yeah. Scroll up. So I have it. And it says, um, I haven't learned how to pivot with COVID yet. Are you able to provide some ideas for artists? How do you sell something someone needs to see and touch? So, uh, great call. Um, I think there's, there's. I'm just going from the top of my, my brain right now. Um, I still think you could do it digitally to start. And so putting that piece of art, and let's say you are an artist, putting that piece of art in context on a wall, uh, and showing it in different environments is probably interesting. Then you could place it, place people around it so they give us, it gives a sense of scale as well. Um, color becomes like the color hues and saturation, all that kind of stuff becomes really important because you want it to be as, as realistic uh, online as possible. Um, I mean, there's, it's not that we're not physical. So like having your products available uh, in high traffic areas is, is still something to be considered. Um, you know, you could, I'm just trying to think where there are high traffic areas and maybe it's not quite the same, but pop, like go to where people are like pop-up shops is a great example. Um, you know, when people are moving back into, uh, different locations, um, you know, having a pop-up shop in different locations where they may be interested. Um, you know, when I think about selling stuff, I think about um, there's a, an amazing marketing book um, called How Brands Grow. And so it, it basically says there's two ways. Uh, by, it's by a guy named Byron Sharp. There's two ways brands grow. So one is through mental availability and one is through physical availability. Um, more and more research is showing that digital ads that drive people to a website is not really an ad, it's 
in the way of mental availability, like brand awareness, it's actually more like signage for a physical store and your e-com is a physical store. Just the same as if you had a store on like 17th Ave in Calgary or like, I don't know, downtown Toronto on Young Street or something like that. You pay higher rent for being in some of those areas and you pay signage fees for advertising your business. And you may have like sandwich boards they put out. So digital ads that are driving people to an e-com store are more like that than they are ads in, in terms of creating awareness, mental availability. So just some things to think about for the artist question. Yeah, and I think that was well said. And you just touched upon it about um, using that data. And so in one of the articles that you wrote at the beginning of this year was talking about 2021 and, and not the trends, but your bets for this coming year about what is going to be happening. And you talked about marketing becoming more data-driven and moving away from things like just overall brand awareness. Do you want to just elaborate on what you mean by that and how that affects? Uh, yeah. Marketing? Yeah. So um, the, the model that we use all the time is called the, the well, it's McKinsey, like the consulting firm. Um, a, a bunch of years ago, they looked at the sales and marketing funnel, which everybody in marketing kind of, or sales, mostly know about so it's that you know awareness interest desire and action so like that funnel that most people kind of think of and you think of top of the funnel brand building awareness kind of activities or bottom of the funnel uh sort of tactical kind of conversion based activities that's where price promotion kind of fits in um and so when i when i'm thinking about um the data and how to use it better and things like not building just general brand awareness, like general building general brand awareness to reach all people who may be interested in buying your product um, is kind of prohibitive because it just costs a lot. So thinking about, you know, it's kind of going back to linking this back to your first question about uh, connecting with customers and understanding customers better. Um, customers in groups are segments and those segments form the market. And so the market isn't necessarily your target. It's like a segment within the market. And so if you're trying to be specific about who you want to reach, that segment of people who you want to connect with and create awareness for probably has um, a few reasons why they want to purchase or think about buying a product or service. So those, those reasons are in the consumer decision journey that McKinsey created would be labeled a trigger. Um, and so those triggers, if you can understand those triggers in terms of like the volume of triggers there are in a market, they can kind of give you a trigger, a share of triggers. And so from there, then you can really identify which of the triggers are most profitable for your business, business where you've got a competitive advantage, uh, say, versus uh, the other uh, players in the market. And then build awareness against that trigger rather than just all customers in the market full stop. And so that will help narrow your focus uh, and allow you to differentiate your product and service to that specific group of people with that specific um, trigger set that matters for your company. Right, and do you wanna just give an example for people about like a specific trigger and how that would look in a marketing yeah. strategy? Yeah, sure. So um, we were looking at a home builder recently, and so we discovered there's um, a, there's a bunch of triggers for for people looking at buying homes. 
One of them is that they're renters uh, and they feel like they're wasting money. Uh, one of them is that they've, they want to get a pet and they, they can't in their current rental. Uh, one of them is that they're brand new to, to they just got married and they're, they want to have a new home. They want to raise a family. They, one of them is that they need more space. Um, and so, you know, there's a few others, but you can kind of get the sense of where we're going. There's a whole bunch of different reasons, kind of like financial reasons and that personal reasons. Um, you know, one of them could be that they just bought a new toy truck, whatever, and don't have enough like room to park things or store things. Um, and so with that, then, then we look at all the triggers that we believe to be uh, important in the market. And there's like, say, 10 of them. Uh, and then with that one right now, especially because people are stuck inside during COVID, um, we know a lot of people are making um, decisions because they're, they're feeling trapped and like cramped inside their homes. And so that was really like the customer insight that, that we want to anchor this brand to and build a memory link for the brand to connect to, I need more space in the consumer mind. So when you can build this brand link between brand A and then uh, profitable trigger A, and you can um, let people know that and defend that position, then you can become, you can become like a, a de facto owner or have like the biggest mind share of that trigger so that um, when we're building creative and, and we're building campaigns out, we want to make sure we're building it around that idea of like, I need more space. Here's your answer to start looking. And so it's early in the decision process, but it's, that's kind of the idea. Right. And I know just because I was around for it with Anstice, but do you suggest people use, like you said before, like surveys and those types of things to find out what the triggers are, or is this more of like an internal discussion for you to decide what the triggers are? Yeah, it's, I mean, there's, there's lots of different ways to do it. I mean, you can, uh, you can do it cheaply, you can do it expensively. Um, you know, the sales teams are great, uh, you know, great starting point, a great resource, because oftentimes, um, you know, people will come in and give reasons for to the sales team as to why they're doing things. So like, you know, even coaching the sales team from a marketing side, not just not on sales, but like, the kinds of things that marketers want to know about and asking the sales team to report to them on, on some of the things that they can get from the face-to-face -face interactions is super helpful. Um, that data set is a bit um, skewed though, because the people who are in the show homes, let's say in the case of the home builder, they're already people who are uh, down the path. Uh, you know, they've already started their journey. And so they may not remember very well, what initially caused them to begin their search to think about buying a new home. So that's where you, then it's interesting and valuable to go into the market and find out, you know, from people who are specifically in that moment, like, are you thinking about buying a home? Yes, no. Then um, this is where like tools like Google consumer surveys can be super useful. For those people that are, how long are you buying a home? How long from now do you plan on buying a home? If it's like, zero, like six to 12 months, that's actually probably a good group of people to learn and understand about. Um, and then from there, then you can understand, you can dig into some of the questions that would be driving them. So for example, what are the triggers that are motivating you to start your home buying experience? Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, and then 
last question, I think, for the time. Sure. Um, and this kind of ties everything in together because I know budgets are a huge thing, especially if you're a small business, a big business, if you're using an agency, money is always the factor in determining how big your campaign is gonna be. So from your experience and your perspective, how do you recommend brands divide their budgets between like content creation, influencer marketing, ads, and all of that? Yeah, it's a load of questions. <laughs> <a load> of- <laughs> I know we I only have seven to- minutes and I'm sure you could talk about it forever, but. <laughs> well, I mean, the answer is it depends. I, I, I hate, I mean, it, like that's the most accurate answer I can give, but it, it does depend. I think, um, I mean, it's a, it really is a loaded question. The, uh, there's a couple of like starting points. Uh, one would be, there's a thing called um, zero-based budgeting. So that one would be to say, you start with zero and then you go, okay, well, based on the goals and objectives that we have, how much budget do we think we need to acquire whatever the target is of new customers that you're trying to reach or the new revenue targets or whatever. And then from there you build out a plan. Well, if, you know, in order to achieve that goal, we would need to do X, Y, and Z and X, Y, and Z is going to cost this, this, and this. And so you build your budget up that way. And then you do that every single year. Or, I mean, you could, depending on how sophisticated, uh, um, yeah, let's just call it sophisticated. You want to get, you could, or, or nimble, maybe you could do it quarterly even, or, or at least every half a year. So that'd be one way. There's another way that would say, um, of marketing budgets as a general rule of thumb, they start with a 5% of their total net revenue as the marketing budget. And then from there, then you divide your budget into different tools and tactics and that kind of thing. When it comes to what the right mix is, which is, I think, the heart of what you're asking about. So, what's you know, what's the right blend between content and um, you know, like influencer marketing or paid media or whatever uh, PR activations, uh, you know, website development. Like, depending on how you bucket your your organization, uh, there could be a lot of different things that go into that. Uh, in-store promotions if you have a store like there's all kinds of things that that could be into the marketing bucket uh, or budget so from there like how you mix it is ultimately the real answer is 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 that probably in order to get the most optimal mix have to do something like media mix modeling um, to measure incrementality in order to do that most of the time you need to hire an econometrician and so that's going to be someone that will take all those inputs, like the economy, weather, um, uh, price and promotions, uh, media spend, uh, media channel selection, and take all those things into like this sort of soup and then run analysis against it to figure out what's actually driving the biggest returns on your investment. For everyone else that doesn't have the ability to hire an econometrician, um, I would say like the natural tendency is to say, well, we should really focus on things that are generating the highest ROI. So typically what that's going to mean is like people will default to discount to doing discounts. Also discounts is part, should be considered part of the marketing budget. Like if you're discounting your product, 
that amount you're discounting cost the business something. So that could be considered uh, something uh, as part of the marketing budget. May or may not be, but it should be like tracked anyway. Um, promotions like BOGOs and things like that, those are all kind of part of it. Um, so that's a natural tendency for a lot of businesses to go down that path to say, well, we'll discount uh, and anything that's related to showing it, the discount that generates the highest ROI will be the things that we do more of. There's a lot of evidence that would suggest that's not the right path to go. There's for the long term. It can work in the short term, but in the long term, uh, there's another great study um, or report from Les Binet and Peter Field called The Long and Short of It. The basic premise there is that uh, it depends on the industry, but generally speaking, a balance between brand building activities and um, uh, revenue-based activities, so like short-term sales, is really the best mix for uh, companies that are looking to have a long-term sustainable growth. So the brand building activities are important because we were talking about the share of triggers thing. It creates demand. Things that are the tactical side captures demand. And over the long term, generally speaking, it's important to do both. If you're too much of one and not enough of the other, then you become unbalanced and you don't maximize your returns over time. So long-winded answer, but I don't, I don't know if that helps. No, I think that was awesome. And I think that's probably a great place to end. I think that was a great sum of basically everything that we talked about. So do you want to just... Um, Tell people where they can find you if they want to get in contact with you or learn more about what you do. Yeah, I mean, you can reach me through the Anstice website. I mean, that's a good, anstice.ca. That's a good starting place. I'm the only social media channel I really use anymore is LinkedIn, other than occasionally <laughs> Instagram for my just uh, entertainment and distraction purposes. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn is probably the other place for people to reach out. And that's probably the best way. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me on this. This was great. And yeah, cool. I have more for... questions. We'll have to do it again eventually. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Yeah, this is really cool. Thanks for setting it up. Of course.